Good evening, LCM. In fact, good evening, parents of LCM. Look, we want to welcome you to week three of perfecting our parenting. As you might expect, as the age range of our parenting stages increases, so does the complexities of our instructions. For instance, the Moses stage is focused on external discipline. Does everybody remember this? Therefore, the stage has clearly defined steps and easily measurable outcomes. Let's remind you of something real quick. We'll put up this slide, show you exactly how we began. So in the Moses stage, we covered that we were inclining their hearts towards obedience and respect. So our, our discipline had to be consistent. We had to have a resolve based on our convictions. We had to be faith-filled, not faithless, parenting out of fear, right? And no freedoms. Obedience, and that's it. You don't get to decide for yourself. Mama, daddy tells you what to do. You just do it. For those of you in the room who have kids in this stage right now, uh, how impactful was that with your current parenting practices? Revolutionary. Revolutionary. It changes the entire perspective. So uh, we have one more slide that we want to cover and just an overview or as a reminder because we're building into the stage that we'll cover for tonight. As you remember, the Moses stage is that discipline is immediate. What kind of time frame is that? Now. It's, it's immediate. And what, but here's a more important point. Was it aimed at? It's aimed at compliance while leaving room for perfection over the course of time within that stage. That's been one of the more impactful things I've heard you guys share back with us when we first taught this. Well, in addition to being immediate, it is external, right? No in-depth conversations and philosophies being discussed of why they need the discipline. It is external. And yet, while leaving room for proper escalation. Yes. And then lastly, the impactful part of it. That you're going to teach them to restrain from evil and demonstrate righteousness through this impactful discipline. While leaving room for sorrow to be their teacher. And once again, the age range for this is from zero to five. five. Okay, make sure part that I liked the most about what we did there in the Moses stage was we talked about leaving room constantly. Yeah. You see, the third or the last point of each of these three is while leaving room for perfection, while leaving room for proper escalation, while leaving room for sorrow to be a teacher. You leaving room in this stage is a sign of the faith-filled heart and the faith-filled life that you have. You got to trust that over the course of a five-year stint, then you will be able to get your child to these, these exact uh, indicators here. Our progression to the Joshua stage moves from the exclusively eternal dis external discipline of the Moses stage to a combination now where you're beginning to have external and internal discipline. Therefore, the instruction that we gave you, it grew in complexity as we began to address more concepts that are involved with your parenting. Let's show a slide of some of our concepts that we're working with in the Joshua stage. And Timo, I am ringing pretty bad up here, if you can help us out with that. Um, the idea of the promised land that the children have been given, but it is not yet conquered. There are things that you can start to see about their lives, but you are going to have to help them move towards it. 
It is different to have God promise you something and for you to have that fulfilled and conquered in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. This is becoming very, very apparent in your apparent. It's becoming very obvious in your parenting for your kids in this stage. The idea that you need to lead from the front. You are now stepping out and preparing the way like the Israelites, like the priests did out in the middle of the Jordan, but you're expecting them to walk on a cross. You're building memorial stones all the way through this as you are teaching them about, and you're making sure that they are aware of the land that they're supposed to conquer. The areas in their heart that they must go ahead and conquer now. You're beginning to see this. This is a fantastic time. You should feel encouraged as a parent. You should feel strengthened because you are seeing fruit that has been built upon the Moses stage. You didn't just leave it. You have built a good foundation in Moses. And now you are able to build upon it in the Joshua stage. And you're starting to see some beautiful things happening in your home. Amen. And this, if you would take the top four uh, lessons from this for the next slide is having absolute joy and absolute trust. These are the things from your children that you would like is absolute joy and absolute trust. Uh, secondly, identifying their own weaknesses and to begin the process of conquering their lands so they can start seeing some of their issues. You're helping them see some of these giants in their land and that they will be able to begin to be able to conquer these things. Uh, learning the joy of achievement. So when they do something, you are encouraging, yes, you can do this. This is something you are able to do. This is something that you're able to encourage them along the way to be able to uh, see these achieve, achievements. Um, and the cursings and the blessings derived from the word. If you are obedient, you are blessed. If you are disobedient, then you have to eat of that fruit as well and be disciplined. So these are very simple but very uh, clear expectations of the kids. It's in this stage that you're beginning to have a serious shift in your parenting. Mm -hmm. You are beginning to look at their behavior not as single, isolated incidents that need correction. You are starting to understand that they're no longer just about the single incident, but you're starting to see their character. Everybody say character. Character. That's a big shift. If you don't start doing this now in this Joshua stage, you're going to miss a lot of things that are coming ahead in the following stages, but you're getting it now during Joshua. You're shifting to going, wait, this just isn't a single moment of anger that I see. There's something that's inside of my child, and this is about their character. This is part of that promised land that we're beginning to conquer is you're starting to see things as a model of their character as indications of their character and you're able to work with it rightly okay so at this point everybody just do this for me inhale and exhale big deep breath we've just covered what you do in parenting for the first 10 years of your child's life <laughs> 10 years of work right here right, right there. after 10 years of of effort you're done. No, not, not by a long shot. You are building in a cumulative way, one stage upon another. So as we enter our training tonight, week three, about the judges stage, we want to help you understand your role and the role of your almost adult children near adult children that they're entering in a phase physiologically of being able to be near childbearing age 
That's a, it's a huge weight on a parent's shoulders. So let's begin to cover some of the main points of what we're going to be aiming at tonight, covering within this uh, almost adult almost children adult. and then how we're going to parent them through it. So in our first slide, the judges stages, as you notice at the very top, it begins at the age of 11 and goes until the age of 14. That we have these in a very particular order. It's an intentional order, starting with the understanding of we're giving them more freedom than restriction at this age. And beginning, once again, let me remind you, at the age of 11 that this is occurring. Now, we're going to go into detail of what that looks like in practicality in your parenting of giving them more freedom than restriction. But notice how the, the requirement on the parenting is increasing level of faithfulness and a decreasing level of faithlessness in their child. Another thing that we're going to do in this stage, remember judges is still in the, in the prophets, still in the Nevi'im. Yes. So we're still warning their souls, but now their flesh is in full effect. This is when all those lovely hormones start to come to life and blossom and emit their fragrances, <laughs> all of that, right? No. No. <laughs> this no. is when we introduce deodorant to our children. <laughs> but also, <laughs> right? They no longer smell like puppy dogs when they get hot and Puppy so. dogs, grapefruit and onions. Yeah. So that's a good indicator that you're in the judges stages. So we're warning their souls, but, but we're now, we're, we're, it's a bigger battle because their flesh is in full effect. We're going to go into great detail about this and how it affects them and what it leads them to but consider that you're still in the prophet stage we're still warning their souls we inclined their hearts now we're warning their souls yeah. Lindsay, i want to apologize for activating your gag reflex right there <laughs> I'll, I'll move on but in addition to this uh look at that third point this yeah. is a very very important point that this stage is characterized by not eliminating consequences from choices that have been made so we're going to really go into detail of what that looks like in this stage as in comparison to the previous two stages of Moses and Joshua. And that leads us to our fourth point as well. Yeah, so now we're moving more internal than external discipline. Where in Joshua, it was a combination, kind of a 50-50. We're making that transition. Now we're getting more internal. We're letting the weight of their consequences really affect them. And it's less external discipline. Because they're going to start to bear the responsibility for their own sin. Yeah. In all this leading to the last point, concluding with the ability to allow them to eat the fruit of their labor. And that's going to be either a reward or the punishment that ensues from it. Parenting your children as if they are in the previous stages, the Moses stage, the Joshua stage, that's not going to produce very much in this stage. Um, this, this stage of parenting is not for the faint of heart or for those who are weak-willed. You have to be strong and courageous, just as strong as, and courageous as in Moses and in Joshua this is staying very faithful, very strong, and continuing in, to be faithful in those moments. This requires as much from the parents as it does from the child. As the age increases, so must your demonstration of faith in this stage of parenting. 
Yeah, it, you might think that if you have kids in the Moses stage and you only have them there, that, that is, there is a lot of faith that's required for that, yes. for, sure. for sure. But you're dealing with a lot of just physiological issues. You are trying to bring them from birth to just keep them alive. You're just trying to keep them moving forward. You're like, the, a lot of your concerns are very immediate and very simple. Yeah. Now that the child is getting more and more complex, so are the problems. We used to say it, and this is an unscriptural way to say it, but when we were, when our kids were little, we were like, when you have little kids, you have little problems. Yeah. Yeah. The older, the bigger the kid, the bigger the difficulties that you start to engage in. See, your heart, having been reformed by the word of God, think about you and your development. See, your heart being reformed by the word of God is still heavily influenced by your soul. Uh, anybody have to this week worry about being quiet and speaking up and what the Lord is saying? Yeah. Was that a pertinent word for you in your life? Yeah. Then, then rewind yourself to an 11-year-old version of that. Rewind yourself to a 12-year-old version of that. Rewind yourself to a 13-year-old version, version of that. Because if you were a Jew, you would already be an adult at 13. Yeah. We're giving you a little bit longer in here because we're just Gentiles and we're working on it. Right? But if that's the case for us, think about your child. See, the Nevi'im, the prophets, are designed to warn your soul against the effects of sin and point you in the right direction of God's truth that transcends. Somebody say transcends. Transcends. The word is warning your soul that it's got to transcend your own thoughts. It's got to transcend your own emotions. It's got to transcend your own desires. Again, rewind to your 12-year-old version of you. Yeah. This is only amplified in them and you have to help them and parent them. It is easier in some ways because they can now take baths, brush teeth, do chores, cook their own food. They could do a lot of things now, but this is when your parenting has to be heightened. Yeah. You don't get to relax in this stage. You actually have to be more aware. There's yeah. not as many spankings that are probably gonna come unless you've done some really, really poor parenting in the stages before. But you are now on guard and your pastoring has to be at a whole nother level. Yeah. You have to be able to see what's going on. The prophets are often in anguish over the condition of their nation. <laughs> I mean, think about that. The prophets that you're reading are oftentimes troubled. They're, they're weeping. They're lamenting. Did you say prophets or parents? Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> their words often cause anguish into the pliable souls of those that are needing strong direction. I'm trying to take it from a large scope of what the Bible is and what you know the Bible to be and make it very practical and help you to connect the dots that you are going to need to help your children connect the dots in this stage. This is a clear indication of what your parenting looks like when you consider the prophets as a whole. And tonight we're going to specifically talk about the judges so you can see what you have to expect. What yeah. is coming in your future if you don't have kids in this age? And if you do have kids in this age group, you're going to understand exactly that we're telling you the truth. You know, one more thing to add to that. This is a stage that, that you can look forward to. And, and here's what I mean. This is the point whenever they are really making that transition from being a child to being a young adult. They're, they're gaining competency. They're gaining confidence in what they can do. And once again, reflect back to you at the age of somewhere between 11 and 14. You had everything figured out Oh yeah. that totally. you, you were ready to move out the house, have your own apartment and just get life going. Why do I have to stay That's in this right. perpetual state of being a teenager forever in these early years? Well, 
it's in this time period that we're going to shape and mold the, the competencies of our children the most, but it comes from God's word warning their souls. So 2 Kings 17, 13, everybody turn there. And we're going to look at, on the Peshat level, a declaration of what the Nevi'im, what the prophets do. 2 Kings 17, 13. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers. What did he do to Israel and Judah? He warned him. Warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets and seers, saying, Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. The judge's stage of parenting must be strongly prophetic. And this is highlighting the necessity for that to be. That throughout this time, we as parents must draw strong parallels between the condition of their hearts to the actual condition of their lives. What we see at work within them and what we see being displayed through their actions. The succinct representation of the time of the judges was from the final verse of the book of Judges. Cass, read that for us. It's Judges 21-25, and it says, In those days Israel had no king, Everyone did as he saw fit. Look, as parents, we will be striving to point out the effects of sin on a life that if left unheeded, it will lead them eventually into captivity. Hey, before we move on for this, I don't want to go too quickly over a very important thing that Pastor Matt just said. This is an important stage for parents to really begin to dial in the prophetic nature of being a parent. Now, I need everyone in the room to really dial in with what I'm saying here. Well, pastor, I don't feel like I'm very prophetic. You're going to have to get prophetic as yeah. a parent. Yeah. You're going to have to start understanding. In a simple stage like Moses, what is there to really discern? They're, they're going to have the chocolate chip on their face with the cookie crumbs on their shirt saying they didn't do it. What is there to really discern about that age and stage? As a Joshua stage, they're getting warned because they're in a prophet, a prophet stage, but they're still sweet. They want to please you. You have to pay attention to what's going on. You're identifying the areas that they need to, they need to conquer, but they're sweet. In this judges stage, they don't know what they're thinking sometimes. They don't understand why their emotions are the way that they don't know. And you're going to have to have insight from the heavens. If this is an age that you expect to kind of start getting on coast, on, on, on cruise control, no. No. it's the opposite. No. The physical part is easier. The spiritual part, you have to dial in more. We're going to help you to be able to do that tonight. But since this is about parenting, it's also about what discipleship looks like. It also looks like about what your growth looks like. And these are areas and times where you as parents have to start really, really dialing in to the spiritual condition of your children, regardless of what you are seeing on the outside. Pastor, this doesn't really relate to me. Mine's real quiet and likes to go sit in a room. You might have to have discernment for your 12-year-old who would rather go read a book instead of engage with the world because maybe them reading a book is not them 
uh, just enjoying and being studious, maybe there's some fear and it's much easier for them to deal with the world by just closing everybody else off. You got to have some prophetic voice that's going on in here. You got to understand what's going on so that things that even look right, they might even look like they're complying, but you're starting to dial in in this stage. And I thought this was an incredibly important part that Pastor Matt brought up. One of the things that comes to mind as it relates to us in house as well, why you have to be strongly prophetic is that when you are raised around such strong spirit filled men and women of God, a culture like LCM that in this judges stage of their heart between 11 and 14, your children can become highly proficient at showing you what they know you're looking for, but there's something much deeper that's going on. They become professional displayers at righteousness. And so, like Pastor said, it is not a time to coast and relax on your prophetic insight. It is an e- a, a time of even greater spiritual awareness so you can get down to it. Yeah. So we are preparing for the next stage. And every stage where we're at, we're not considering just where they are right now. We're looking forward to where, what are we preparing them for? Because we're raising adults. We're not raising children, right? Yeah. So in the judges stage, we're preparing our children who are almost adults for the desperation and the need for the right kind of kingship in their lives. Remember the next stage that we're going to is the king stage. In 1 Samuel, there's a king preferred by men and ultimately despised by God. And in 2 Samuel, we see a king despised by men, but ultimately preferred by God. We're going to talk about that stage next week, but this is where we're heading. And keep that in mind as we go over this tonight. In this next slide, we are setting the backdrop for the king's stage that is to come. But for now, let's return speaking about the judge's stage and the cycle of behavior that are seen. Uh, nope. The yeah, next that's the there one. You go. I hand drew this myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the cycle uh, of the judges here. We're going to talk through it in a way of, of encouraging and enlightening your parenting. And by the way, so what does this mean? Uh, if we're talking about the judge's stage being at 11, if you've got a 10-year-old, then you really, really are paying attention to this. If you've, got, if you've got a 9-year-old, you don't have much time before this officially takes place, so you're already working your way in this direction. Think about the cycle during the history of the period of time that Israel were, were under the rulership of the judges. This is after Moses, this is after Joshua, and they enter into the time of the judges. By the way, Israel was in this stage for about 400 years. Approximately 400 years. We're saying you get four. Okay? Israel got 400. So you got to understand what it looks like as they're entering this. Let's take it from the top of the screen. They're at the 12 o'clock position. The goal of restoration. Let's just start from a good place Amen. on the cycle and say they're yes. coming out of Joshua stage. They're doing excellent. <clears throat> and they're, in, they're walking in a restorative relationship with the Lord. What happens is, is they then move. And over the course of time, much like some of us can do is we can relax because we feel like things are going good. Mm-hmm. And then in this case, the Israelites began to fall into rebellion. This is a time where sin and idolatry was prevalent in their heart. Everybody say sin and idolatry. Sin and idolatry. This is the cycle, the historical cycle that Israel went through. And you saw this for judge after judge after judge 
after judge throughout their history. They fell into a time of sin and idolatry, and then that took place in them, and then there was a reckoning. What do we mean by reckoning? They got enslaved. They were no longer, what they chose to do in rebellion, they were no longer able to get themselves out of. They were hopelessly stuck. They were hopelessly mired in what was going on, and that reckoning, the weight of their sin began to sit on them, and then what happens? Well, they began to cry out, and the Lord sent a judge to them, and they were able to come into repentance. God favored the judge. There was repentance. There was a, 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 a time period where they were the enslavery was broken off of them, and they were able to come through repentance and all the way back around into restoration. This took place in 40-year cycles, in 20-year cycles, in 10-year cycles, over and over and over throughout the book of Judges. For almost, for over 400 years, this cycle is the cycle that looped all the way through the book there. Guess what we're telling you tonight? We're telling you that as parents, from about the ages of 11 to about the ages of 14, you are going to see the exact same cycle inside of your now almost adult child. And and realize, up to this point, it hasn't really been cyclical. It's just been exponential linear movement forward in the growth of a child. The difference between a three-month-old and a six-month-old, a six-month-old and a year-old, a year-old and a three, three to five, five to seven, seven to ten. It's all exponential factors of growth. But you hit this stage, and it's like you're dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. This is where you as a parent need a lot of encouragement and seeing that this is a repeated issue. God will help you and they will grow. We want to give this to you in a, in a, in a video kind of format just to help you. We're going to go through it a lot tonight. We're going to keep going back over it. But we want to help you with our first video of the evening. And may God help us, every one of us, because we're going to have a video that includes sound for you. And we're going to show it to you right now to help you to understand we're going to be starting from the position of rebellion here on this so that we end in a very very positive place so we're going to show you an example of rebellion uh maybe even in your own home at this age that's cindy lopper in case you're Every little brother's dream right there. What are you doing? I took a 376 lawnmower jobs to pay for that. It's his most favorite thing in the world. Now it's his most flattest thing in the world. Let's go. So what happens here is the moment that you as a parent leave the house, even though you have young Thanos in there working out back in the day, working out with the, with the springs that are there. Your little goonies. Your little goonies are going to be running around and have a scheme that comes afoot. Some of them may do it even at an earlier age, like setting alarm clocks to scare mom 
you know, that may begin at an earlier and earlier age, but by sure, for sure at this point, just when you think you could trust them, there's, uh, there's this rebellion that starts showing itself. And it usually, at least for some of them, starts out in the idea that they want to find an adventure. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to do what just seems right in their own eyes, that it seems like this would be a great idea. And so they're off on some, uh, some adventure that begins. Yeah, uh, in order to get to that adventure, they had to subdue the interim parental authority, <laughs> who was their older brother. And after doing so, they find themselves in a bit of a pickle, and there was a, uh, a moment of reckoning. Let's watch our next video that illustrates this. What's that? Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Where's Looks like the cook is carrying something to the kitchen or something. Yeah, food. Don't let them see us, guys. ORV. Bullet holes. Summer restaurant? Looks like it hasn't been open for 10 summers. How long are you going to stand that window? Long enough to see you need about 400 roach motels in this place. Okay. How the hell am I supposed to create without the Soviet piece of Hey, Cassette, what's this on? Jay, these boys are customers. <laughs> What do you want? Right? So this collection of uh, 11 to 14-year-olds has set out on an adventure to go find gold or some way to rescue their town. And they stumble upon this old shack on the, on the coast and now find themselves subdued by some captors that are uh, mob members and being held against their will. Oh, man, when we, when we look at this just in the practicality of our own lives, how many situations did you get yourself into that you never intended, but just on the search for an adventure, and now you're held captive by that very pursuit. Yes. Yeah. Too, too many. Uh, as they move through this, we got another little video clip for you here that shows when that weight, when that fear comes in and sets in on them, because it will happen to your kids. Uh, repentance in your house may even look uh, something <laughs> like this. Hey, kid. I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my uncle back to toupee and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the time my mom sent me to a, to a summer camp for fat kids. And then was third lunch, I got sex and I pigged out and they kicked me out. But the 
worst thing I ever done. I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, this is it, I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, all the people in the audience, then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Mom, they're going to like this kid, Mom. <laughs> Hit puree! No! <laughs> yeah, sometimes when the, the repentance of your 11 through 14-year-old starts, it actually sounds a lot like Chunk there. They're just going to start... <laughs> Start spewing everything that they've ever done, including and going all the way back to the third grade. But this is part of what you need to help them to understand and help them be able to go, do is to repent correctly. Well, praise God that after repentance, especially repentance that looks like that, much like Emmy Gell as well, <laughs> is that you land on the goal and aim the whole time, and that's restoration. So we got one more final clip to show you guys about restoration. Everybody say, aww. aww. I think that was video from the Zadok's birthday party the other day, actually. <laughs> that was John. John was there. <laughs> the feeling is so sweet. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> but the, the whole point, the imagery we're trying to paint, is that the, these 11 to 14-year-olds have now come back underneath the covering of their parents. That restoration has been made, and their home life can pick up in Shalom. So as in each of the previous stages, the children of Israel are representative of your children and your model for parenting is seeing how God helps his leaders lead. In other words, you are Moses leading in the Moses stage. You are Joshua leading in the Joshua stage. And as parents, we get to learn how to lead our children by observing how the judges brought salvation to Israel in each of these cycles. You are the judge. Yes. And here comes the judge. Amen. In Hebrew, the term for judge is shafat. we got a slide for you that we want to show you with the term shafat, a verb that means to judge or to govern. This is exactly, and you'll have, you'll have access to this online, so uh, you can either take a picture now, but you'll be able to see it in more detail later. The idea of 
you being a judge or governing here is the primary role in this stage. That is what you are doing is you're supposed to be rightly discerning, having a prophetic voice, having a prophetic ear, and governing your home as never before. Leading them exactly where they need to go as never before. The entirety of this uh, definition here actually goes through executive, legislative, and judicial parts of this. See, what you have to understand is in this time period, the judges were the entirety. They were all three branches of government. You had the executive where you're going to judge and govern. They had a legislative branch. I'll talk to you about that in a second. They had a judicial branch where they were actually executing the judgment. This is what you are responsible for as a parent in everything that goes on. This is not the time to, to turn your eye. It's the time to have a keen eye about what's going on. The plural, as you guys know, if you remember from the book of Judges when we studied it together as a church during Foundations, the plural is Shofatim. Everybody say Shofatim. Shofatim. You as a mother and a father are Shofatim here. You are able to bring right judgment there. It is your executive duty. Yeah. You have been charged by God to rightly discern and govern within your home. Let me talk to you for a minute about the legislative part of this. Okay, the legislative part it says on the screen, you see the, the first part of the green is the executive. You're the ruler or governor of your own home. The second part is more the legislative idea because it's the arbitration of civil, domestic, and religious disputes. Somebody say arbitration. arbitration. That's an unusual thing for us to think about when we're starting to think about a judge. But you become the arbiter of disputes yeah. in your child in their body in their soul, and in their spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You become the one that helps settle disputes, whether they are internal or external, with the disputes that start to happen in their own body. Those hormones, those hormones, 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 I'll say it right here in a second, <laughs> that start kicking in and start uh, really, really drive. This is what we're talking about, having the flesh be in full effect in their lives. Yes. Yeah, some of these moments that we that we have with our with our kids is looking at them and 11 to 14 guys is kind of a hot mess. Uh, you know, I love my sweet Anna. And right now we're in the middle of that. You know, it's like walking out with a shirt backwards and two different colored shoes on and all of these things. And and these are the moments that we're going to have to look at her and go, OK. We want you to have freedoms, and we're going to guide you through these freedoms, and we're going to also help you govern these freedoms and make good decisions. You know, and some of these definitely are hormones and, and, and feelings and that mind, will, and emotion. You know, so you, we're going to win. So you become the arbiter of disputes in their own in yes, their own flesh. Within themselves, you have to teach them how to handle their own body because they really don't know. Yeah. Uh, for the young ladies, if it hasn't already occurred by 11 or so, they're already in the midst of becoming a full-fledged woman yes. and having their period. Yeah. I promise you that that's an interesting, when that first takes place as a parent, you're like, wow, yeah. this one <laughs> is somewhere in the range of being able to have another one like this. These are crazy, crazy things, but they are the reality of where you are as a parent. You have to help them. You're the arbiter of what's going on in their body. You are the arbiter of what's going on inside of their soul, yeah. their thoughts, their emotions. This isn't just females, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. For the young men, they get just as looney tune as the young ladies do. They get just as disconnected. What are you doing? 
I have no idea. And that's not just them hiding sometimes. That literally, they have no idea. And so you're helping them get through their thoughts, their emotions. And you're also doing this in the spirit realm. Pastor. Yeah. This is a really good time where your, your application of the word in their lives yes. becomes in full force. Yes. What you began in the, judge, in the Joshua stage, now in full force, you're applying that word on a very practical level to get them to manage these crazy emotions. They don't know what to do with them. Yes. But we know that the word governs our emotions. Yes. So apply the word to it. That is the solution. Because sometimes your kids come to you and you're confused by their confusion. Go back to the word. The word will help them every single time. They're applying the word. Okay, in this situation, what does the word say about that? No, we're going to get our, our feelings of anger under control. We're going to get our feelings of frustration under control. We're going to get our feelings of heartbreak or whatever it is, fear. We're, go we're going to apply the word because that, that's going to have to be their go-to for the rest of their lives. And if you get it right now, then when they're an adult, they're not a hot mess. Yes. Like a lot of us were. <laughs> exactly. That's so good. Because remember that your emotions are a good servant, but a terrible master. And so these are moments that you can start speaking to them about those things and applying the word to that and watching, letting them see the fruit of that. As we move on, just a quick note for you uh, outside of the notes. Hormones are not an excuse for anything about how they're acting. What the hormones are doing are showing you what's really on the inside. What you're not hearing us do is make an excuse because a young lady is now having her period that she cannot control herself. So you are the external. You are showing her how that that time of the month may be heightening what is really already inside of her. No, she's really sweet. And there are these emotions that are heightened and you are showing her that these are no excuses for the young men too. He's just, he's just full of hormones. I guess it's okay that he act that way. No, you are seeing with your own eyes. You are perceiving what is in their heart. Yes. Yeah. Because if you teach them that because of hormones, they can't control it and it's okay. The outgrowth of that is not something that you are going to want to live with in your own life. And it better not be something that you've excused in your own self. Yeah. That's good. That's it's just good. this time of the month. I get to be like this. No, no, not at all. You're being sinful. You need to stop it. But my hormones. Yes. The Lord knew that you were going to have hormones when you, when he gave you his word so that yes. you can control your thoughts exactly. yes. and you can control your yeah. emotions. Do you know when this great lesson begins here in the judges yeah. stage? I can't help but think of watching my girls uh, grow and transition into this stage, but also watching a few of you in this room as well. And what I mean is, it's around this time that with the physiological things that are happening, hormones, the fusion of the left and right side of the brain, there becomes a heightened level of awareness, right? Remember, reflect back to when you're in middle school, you're 11 years old, first day of sixth grade. All of a sudden, you begin to feel really uncomfortable and that the things that you're wearing are completely out of style. You, your awareness of who you are and, and, and what's comparative around you is at a level that you have not seen before. There was a naivety that was there. Well, I've watched uh, some of you guys grow up in this house and in a godly sense, watch you become more aware of the spiritual condition that you were in and God's word that was necessary to facilitate that exposure to the reality of where you were. 
And so as we watch them become more skillful at being an adult in their, their awareness, we're also becoming more skillful as parents to help them understand who they are through the word. So what we've been working with this entire time is that we're, we're about bringing a reckoning of consequences that are derived from the standard of God's word to them, directing the application of punishment and or vindication as outlined by God's word. Pastor, before you move on, let me give you a little insight that just, that just came, came to mind. If you help your children rightly, when you help your children rightly navigate this stage, you are going to put the right kind of perspective. They're going to have the right perspective of themselves as it relates to God and what God thinks about them. If you don't rightly handle this stage, can anybody remember what you thought about yourself when you were like 12? Anybody remember your own perspective on yourself? Can anybody? Yes or no? If you can, it's okay. Okay. I'm not trying to make something be that if it's not. Had you had a parent who navigated you through this scripturally with understanding, what kind of perspective would you have had about yourself as you entered into, say, your high school years? I have to be honest with you. I realized that this wasn't set in my life. And what I thought about myself at about the age of 12 is what I thought about myself for a really, really, really long time. It took a lot of the word to help change what I decided that I was by about the time I was 13. As you're thinking on that, maybe you had a different age. Maybe your experience was different than mine. I'm just trying to uh, illuminate to you how important it is to get this stage correct. If you knew exactly who God had called you to be and it was ingrained in you, through the cycles here, through the right kind of parenting, and you knew by the time you were 14 going into 15 who you were in Christ? Yeah. Aren't some of us still fighting with that today? See, this is how you start having an exponential power, an exponential growth through the generations. You don't have to let them figure this out on their own because they can't. Because you didn't. But now you are learning what God has and through his scripture and you're able to redefine everything about them. Then you start having people who are by the time they're 15, by the time they're 18, they're ready to not only be married, but they are serious about their walk with the Lord as serious as many of us in this room are. Your children being more serious about the Lord is a reward for you handling this season correctly. Do you, are you seeing the connection, the, the cumulative stages are building up to the relationship that Moses has with Joshua, that Joshua transitions to the judges because Moses sets a foundation that Joshua builds upon. And likewise, the judges have entered their stage with both of the previous stages in view and as their foundation. So Deuteronomy seven, we're going to read from and starting in verse one. Deuteronomy 7.1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. 
Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Here Moses, like the Torah, is helping to incline the hearts of the children of Israel. He is setting the goal of the exact nations, people groups that must be driven out. And that winning isn't enough. After you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. There are to be no treaties, no mercy, no intermarrying between the sons and daughters. You're to break down their altars of idolatry because he's telling them you are chosen and treasured based on the fact that you are my children. Amen. By the conclusion of De Deuteronomy, the practical side of parenting is clearly defined. So Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13 says, So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the priest, the son of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, in the years for canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your towns, so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and to follow carefully all the words of the law. Their children do, who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. See, so we're going back and we're catching a little bit of the Moses stage. Now we're rolling into the Joshua stage. This is what Moses is doing. As they're preparing to enter the Joshua stage, Moses is empowering the priest to make sure that every man, every woman, and every child has heard and has learned to fear the Lord in every part of their life. This is at the beginning. This is at the end. This is all the way through. You're going to keep re returning to this because it's not something that you ever complete and get rid of. You continue to build upon it. Moses is passing the torch of leadership to Joshua by making sure to empower the parents of his day to carefully follow all the words of the Lord's instruction. The instructions to Joshua here are to make sure that the parents are getting it. Because the health of the nation is about the parents getting this and transmitting this to the kids. And now from Joshua's day, we're going to see, and we've been talking to you about transitioning into this judges stage. And that's where we're going to revisit with here. Mm. Uh, this begins with the understanding that God ordained the purpose of a judge to govern Israel through a cycle that is aimed at restoration. Amen. So let's look at the first slide illustrating this cycle of the judges again. There we go, that one. So as we, we look at this slide, Cass is going to read Judges 2, verse 10. Judges 2, 10. 
after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, in the scripture that Christy just read, the last verse of Deuteronomy 31, 13, it said, their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. It's because they haven't learned this yet. Okay? So in this, in Judges 2.10, it said, another generation grew up. Let's, let's change out the word generation for stage. That the Joshua stage has passed. Now we're in the Judges stage. These kids... They, they neither know the Lord nor what he has done for them. That word for know is yada. We've talked about this a lot. This is experiential knowledge with God. They haven't personally experienced the Lord yet. They've heard your stories. You've taught them your experiences, but they haven't had that experiential relationship. Now they're beginning to move into that stage and they're going to experience him. But we're going to lead them through this. This is why. Why do you think they go from the, the 12 o'clock position into rebellion? They don't have that personal experience yet. So we're giving them freedom, and then what happens? They're like, mm, I don't know. I'm a, I think I'm going to touch that hot stove. I think I'm going to walk off the path a little bit because they have this freedom, and they don't know yet. The next, the next thing uh, that he says is they neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And this word is ma'asa which is based on the word Asa. Do y'all remember us talking about that in a previous lesson? Asa, the accomplishments, the works. This is, they, ha they, didn't, they don't have the experience with the Lord, nor have they experienced his working in their lives. So we're going to give them that experience now. This is what the whole stage of Judges is about, is letting them have those freedoms to lead them into a personal experience with God. In other words, you can't skip the judges stage. You can't skip any of these stages. They are required. You personally cannot skip these stages. Yeah. Yeah. If you get saved and you are 40 years old, yeah. accomplished, a business owner, guess what you cannot do is you cannot skip the steps of these stages and the developmental process. Um, Hopefully you can go through them at a little quicker rate than a child would, but you're not allowed to skip the steps. Your child cannot skip these steps. Why? Because they need to have. They're already a child. They're your child. They may even be a child of God, but they don't know God like we're talking here. They haven't yadad him in the kind of way that they're going to need as they move into the adult stage. They haven't yet. But what we're going to do is you're going to see because... See, this starts to make more sense when, you're, when we're telling you they need more freedom than less freedom here. Why? They need more freedom so you can see what's actually in their heart. If you restrict freedom, if you treat a 12-year-old like they were in the Moses stage. Some of you in this room have this problem. So I want to make sure that everybody's tuned in with me. Some of you may be prone to this, so I'm helping you before you get there. If you like the ease of just the dictatorial kind of commands to give them, you will miss out on what's actually going on in their heart. Yes. You will stay in an oblivious kind of way because you're afraid that they're going to do something that may be harmful. Yes, they may. You're not, you're not going to allow them to harm themselves beyond reparation. But what you're going to do is you have to allow increasing freedoms so you see what's really in there. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. 
At two, yeah, I'm not talking about a two-year-old. There's no freedoms there. At five, not even remotely interested. Between six and ten, you're adding freedoms because you're beginning to see. But you're going to, no matter how many freedoms you added in the Joshua stage, these freedoms are going to feel different to you because their flesh is in high gear now. And they are going to show you what's actually in their heart. That freedom, you're going to need to see what's on the inside. And how can you see what's on the inside except for the allocations of some freedoms? Let's read in Judges. Everybody with us in Judges? We're in Judges chapter 2. We're going to walk through Judges chapter 2 as we walk back around this cycle. And Christy is going to read Judges 2 verses 11 through 13. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They, took, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them, and they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. The idea of... The people of God, the children of Israel, during the judges stage, forsaking the Lord. If you've ever had a kid in this age, in this stage, you should understand what that feels like. The word forsake here means to abandon. What you may feel like when your child does something is like, I've taught them better than that. They're abandoning everything that I've taught them. What are they doing? Yes, this is what your pastors feel like with you sometimes. I promise. Are they abandoning? I taught them better than that. For 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> they, it may feel like they're abandoning previous teachings that you have. Yes. And it's because they're forsaking those teachings, but you're getting to see something. Yes. And so I personally remember this stage. This was my time to where I sowed all kinds of bad, bad seed in this stage because I was raised in a spirit-filled home with parents who loved Jesus. We were at every church service. We were, you know, surrounded by the spirit of God. And when I got to this stage, I got a little crazy and rebellious. And I remember standing on my front porch and my dad sat there and looked at me and we're, you know, talking about something. And, and he's like, Christy Lynn, she's like, he's he's like, he said, I, I love you, but I do not like you, you know? And I remembered, and that just shot me through the heart because I had to feel the weight of my father's disapproval about that. And, and it really is some of those moments in this stage where, where they have to walk through these things because it looked like in that moment that I had forsaken everything that my parents had taught me, you know, and the Lord is faithful still. Let us go back to the the cycle of the judges on the screen, and we're going to add something to it. You see here the restoration, the rebellion. The distance between restoration and rebellion occurs a lot, and we're going to show you this next one to help you to understand the actual link between the two. Okay, so now we're going to link the stages for you. In between restoration and rebellion is just a carnal compulsion. This is where, if you remember from our judges study, this is when they move from refusing to fight the enemy they, they then spare the enemy in their life. It's okay. I'm changing my standard. They begin to imitate the enemy. Sometimes the enemy is someone else. Sometimes the enemy is their own thoughts and they begin to imitate that. And then ultimately they even obey the enemy in this stage. This is the distance between what happens in the restoration and they move through a period of carnal compulsion. They feel fine. 
everything's okay. They relax their standards and they start moving towards open rebellion and being controlled in sin. See, this is what happens in this rebellion stage. That carnal compulsion leads them on into full rebellion where they have sin or they have idolatry that goes on in their life. What does idolatry look like for an 11 to 14 year old? They want to do what they want to do. Each one does what is right in their own eyes. That is a form of idolatry. They know what you've told them. They know what you expect, and they still just have no intention of doing it in that moment. Some are sweet. Some will bat their eyes at you, especially if they're a cute little girl. Man, they will will butter up to daddy, and they have rebellion in their heart. Some will be charismatic and try to be funny. Some will try to take whatever advantage they can, but you have to understand that this is a carnal compulsion that is sinful and idolatrous in them, and you have to be on alert. You have to have that prophetic voice that comes up that says, that little cuteness is not what you're after. You've got you've to help and get them through the rest of this cycle so that they can get back to restoration. What comes immediately after this rebellion, even through the facade of sweetness, is that God is ever so faithful to bring about a reckoning of what happens with it. So that brings us to our next section of passage. Still in Judges 2, let's pick up with verse 14 and 15. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. So we're going to look at this passage and see how God as the parent is leading his children, Israel, through this judges stage. For you as a parent, this is the point when the Lord is using you as the judge for the purpose to lead your child to repentance. But here's how. It's through the weight of their consequences. Mm -hmm. What began as a rebellion in their heart is now coming full surface. And the reckoning is brought about by the full weight of their consequences. So this is exactly what I mean. You're allowing the weight to do its work on their heart. You cannot alleviate consequences easily in this stage. If you do, you are circumventing the journey to repentance and restoration. This is a, this is a very crucial point in our parenting during this time and age, because you will want to have sympathy on them, lessen the consequence, not let it be as detrimental as it should be. But remember, if you get in the way of God's weight of consequence, you are hindering their progression to repentance and restoration. But just walking through this verse, it's very linear in how we accomplish this as the judge in our child's life. Because we can't just spank and move on, we are going to act like God, meaning that watching the Lord allow their consequence to hand them over to their fleshly behavior. Meaning that they can no longer hide it. Conversations that I've had with my girls before. I know prophetically by the Holy Ghost that you're lying to me. You're only telling me 80% of the truth. And the 20% that you're just mixing in a large bowl of generalities here. 
I know there's something more behind it. And I could just raise up my belt, raise up a stick and beat it out of you. I, I prefer that actually. But what I'm going to do is that I'm going to stare at you and just let you crawl. I'm going to let that weight and that time sit on you and your conscience. I know before God that you're wrong and you're going to tell me. And God is going to hand you over to your fleshly behavior. And he's going to let it rise right to the surface. I'm going to see it. I promise you I will. In addition to that, God is handing or giving clear signs that they're enslaved to it. I've had conversations with my girls where I've literally let them wait for the weight of it to sit on their shoulders and they dug their heels in. They try to put more facade of generalities and I had to, to go do something else. And I told them, I said, God's going to bring this to the surface. You're not going to escape this behavior. It will surface in you again. And we're going to get down to the bottom of this. Not four hours later, boop, there it is again. That nabalistic trait that was trying to be uh, hidden under the surface has now come up again full-fledged. It's right there in front of us. Sometimes it's a matter of 15 minutes after me and Cass leave the house. We get a phone call from one of the sisters. They turn into goonies, right? They, there. they definitely turn into goonies. And, and how this progresses in the scripture, right? That's handed over, sold them to their enemies, whom they were no longer able to resist. You know that point whenever you were in that age range of 11 to 14, and one of your siblings or one of your friends just says that one thing that you couldn't resist responding to in a fleshly way. It comes right out of your mouth. And you plan beforehand, I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But it comes right out anyway. This is what we're experiencing in our kids as parents, as judges in their life in this point in time. I know God's going to be faithful to bring them to this point in their rebellion that there is a reckoning with what's really going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Well, it progresses in the scripture that when, whenever Israel went to, out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Well, this is where they do not find God's power to defeat their flesh on their own. They're thinking that they can go to their room, be quiet, and just solve it in secret and not let mom and dad know exactly what's going on in the secrets of their heart. So what God does is that he withdraws his power to help them secretly defeat these things because they need the voice of the judge in their life to help them through this. Well, it then comes to the point where it's like the end of the, the passage. They were in great distress. This is the point where our children come to a point of great distress that requires input from a judge and a parent to deliver them. Yeah, this, this actually happened this week in our house with Emmy. She's been having some character issues, and the Lord chose to expose them through her math work, which is just amazing. I'm just marveling at the Lord through all of this. Emmy keeps bringing me the same test over and over. She keeps failing this test, and we work on it, we work on it. And I said, you know, Emmy, um, I think I'm getting some prophetic insight. This is not about math. This is about your character because you understand how to do these problems. This is not an intelligence issue at all. This is a, a diligence issue. This is you miswriting something down or being messy or, or thinking you know more or whatever it is. And so we're going back through it again and again. And finally, the Lord, I was like, Lord, you got to help me because I don't, I'm about to lose my mind with this. 
we're not doing this test again. So I told her, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to sit down and you're going to write out every problem. You're not even going to touch your computer. You're just going to write out every problem and you're going to check your work and it better be perfect. And she's squirming and she's freaking out. And it's like, she, she's under great distress. And there's the, the tightening of the circumstances is all around her. I'm not letting her off the hook. And she's pulling every card out. Oh, Mama, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for you. Do your work. You got the spirit of holy, holy, uh, the Holy Spirit inside of you right now. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Rise up and, and be a big girl and do your work. Okay, so she sits down, she does it, and then it's, then it's something else. Well, I've got, I've got all this other stuff to do, and Chloe won't help me. It's whatever manipulation that she's trying, and I'm like, nope, I'm not letting you out of this. You're going to do this, and you're not, you're not going to have your phone. You can't have friends. You're not, nothing. Your life has gotten very small. You're going to sit at this counter, and you're going to do your work. And so all of her straining and, and kicking against the goads, finally she relaxes into it. She sits down. She does her work. And it's neat because I tell her, if, if I can't read it, I'm tearing it up. You're going to start over. What? So she does it neatly. And then there's this confidence that comes. Mama, I did my work. And Mama, guess what? I, I emptied the dishwasher too. And all of a sudden there's a pride that she's taking because she's finding success. The Lord has helped her because the judge has stepped in and led her through the process. So Cassidy's example shows that Cassidy was acting as a judge then. She was governing and discerning. She was an arbiter of wrong thoughts, of wrong hearts, of wrong motives. And that she was then acting to put judgment in, ex actually executing the judgment. That is the definition of what a Shofa team is. This is a stage where you have to think about this rightly. What we're talking about is having prophetic insight. If you homeschool in his place, of course we want your kids to learn information. You are homeschooling them for their character. Yes. Yes. You are homeschooling them so that they have the right response to God Almighty. Let's not get confused on what's going on. This was an age for us where I would just look at Gabe and he would, we were working on character issues and I'd look at him and I'd say, Gabe, you look like you're telling the truth, but I know by the spirit of God that you're lying to me. I, I had to be prophetic. What he looked like, it looked like it was correct. And I was like, no, dad, how could you not believe me? Because I have God inside of me and you can either keep, and we would play it out. And the Lord, listen, the Lord was faithful. Yes. If the Lord is not, how does it say? Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them. If the hand of the Lord is against your child, guess who the hand of the Lord is with? Yes. You. Yes. Don't you be worried. The worst thing that happens is you not falsely accusing a kid. The worst thing that could happen is you miss a huge character issue because they just know how to say it to you and you buy it. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, you it's need to hear true. that again. Yeah. Some of you who are worried about justice and you view yourself as justice minded, mm -hmm. you need to have the right judgment from the heavens. Yeah. It is not the worst thing for your child to have you accuse them of something that they didn't do. It is a much worse trend for them to be doing things that you never call them on. Yeah. Yeah. That's worse. That is a much worse trend. And I'm not asking you to get it wrong or right, but I can promise you, even if you get it wrong, if the Lord's hand is with you, he'll work it out. Work yes. it out. You have to have prophetic insight. Let's go on to the next verse here in Judges 2 
and verse 18. We've now let reckoning set there. Real quick, too. Um, a big mistake that we make is we assume our kids are telling us the truth. Start <laughs> off with the assumption that they're hiding something. Because they're kids. I mean, think about how much you didn't tell your parents. Even if you were the best little kid on the block. You hid so much from your parents. If you start off there, you'll have some really good uh, headway to seeing what is actually going on with them. It's not wrong for you to wrongly accuse your kids. They may give you all kind of kickback. My kids regularly tell a story of how I accused all of them of stealing a can of Coke. And it was hidden in the refrigerator. And they act like it was some big injustice. I'm like, you know what? Y'all lied to me all the time. So I was being a good mama by <laughs> sniffing that out. So just get over it. You it's said okay. I stole Coke. It's actually Sprite. <laughs> Yeah, but if you assume that they are that they're hiding something, you'll be more apt to find it. That's a good word. Judges chapter two and verse eighteen. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemy as long as the judges judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. Megan, can you put up the previous slide, the one that we had up while the P-Rows were speaking there? If you don't allow their consequences to sit on them, they don't get to a point of reckoning. If you are just so involved in trying to not feel like a bad parent that you remove consequences, they miss the weight of their sin. And then, if you show the next slide, they don't cry out, and it's in their crying out that God brings them to repentance. How important are the consequences sitting on them and you not feeling bad for them and wanting to relieve it? When you do that, you never get to the weight and you never get to them crying out. The crying out is what God needs to hear. The crying out is what you need to hear. That was our, our fun little example there with chunk. <laughs> and then this happened. Yeah, you want those kind of things as they begin to feel the weight. You let the consequences. I mean, you let them. Not in a physical way, but you let them be burned by their own consequences. They didn't do something they were supposed to do. You don't excuse it and just move on as if they didn't. Yeah. They don't get to do the next thing. Yeah. They lose the privilege of what it was they were supposed to. You don't come back and fix it for them. Because that helps them to cry out so that they can repent. This is what we're talking about. Not having external discipline now as much as it is internal. Yeah. The consequences become internal punishment, and then that causes them to cry out because you've now seen, because of their carnal compulsions, you know what's in there. You see the sin and idolatry that's really inside of them. You let them feel the weight of those consequences. They feel the weight, and then they cry out, and God brings repentance. Amen. And as long as the judge was there, God saved them. Yeah. How important are parents in this stage? It's the judge that came along and brought salvation to Israel. Yeah. It's the judge that's going to come along. You, here comes the judge. When you come along, you can help them to get out of the sin, to get out of the slavery that they're in. But you've got to be able to walk through this pattern, this cycle here so that they can get it. Yes. They're going to be driven by the weight of their consequences right on into repentance, yeah. right on into crying out to God. And that's an incredibly important piece. So here in verse 18, not only do we see the evidence of them crying out and, and repentance taking place, but we also see 
the final goal of where God is leading to them. And the pastor just read it. It's restoration. And I'm going to read this verse again. We're going to see both at work. And there's a process by which repentance goes into restoration. So whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge. His presence was with the judge. And saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. So as long as the judge is present, there is restoration and restoration being held. For the Lord relented because of their groaning. You should easily see in this verse that the restoration is a result of them crying out and there being repentance. Well, the connecting item that we have in our last slide between repentance and restoration is consecration. That as a result of them crying out, the Lord hearing their cry, God brings them to restoration through the means of consecration. They're finally aware of their condition and the need to have a representative of God leading them to a place of shalom. And that at this point, they're set apart for God's work. They're ready to, to be used. So their repentance led to being consecrated. Now they're firing on all cylinders again. They're in shalom with the Lord. They're in shalom with the family. You know, uh, your children are sharing words and getting along with everyone. Everything is great. And this restoration means, you know, we're at a point now where they're free from being enslaved through their sinful nature. And they must be restored to the point of having freedom with limited restrictions. Because that's how we began, right? Freedom with limited restrictions was the beginning that led to rebellion. And for you as a parent, this is the point where you have to be faith-filled and not faithless. Well, now everything's restored. It's brought back to right order again. Let's clamp down with some kind of, you know, COVID-19 restriction level going on. <laughs> and bring them back to the stage of Moses because I don't want to endure that cycle again. No. The whole purpose is that it's being brought to restoration so that they can have that freedom with limited restrictions to see what else comes out of their heart. Let's look at verse 19, the very next verse, and see how this continues. Go ahead and read it, babe. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Oh, but wait a minute. I thought we were past this by now. I thought we had dealt with this issue. That's why this is called the cycle of the judges. You know, that moment whenever you finally get shalom in your child that's in this stage, you walk out the door and no joke, another testimony from this week, 15 minutes later down the road, it's now another fleshly surfacing of their behavior and worse than the time when we were at home. It's like, oh my goodness, I thought we solved this. I don't know why I've forgotten this teaching completely this week because I was completely discouraged. And I, I looked at Matt, I'm like, we can't walk out the door 15 minutes and what, she's doing it again. Is she ever going to get this? I mean, am I a terrible mother? Is she a terrible, what is going on here? And then we sit down to study and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the cycle. No, this teaching is for us. <laughs> for and, and look, what, what we're trying to help you through by showing in our own lives and helping you guys is that those of you who do not yet have children this age, this is a clear principle 
of what you need to know about what's happened with you in discipleship. What will happen is an inevitability yes. with the child that you have. You will be at this stage with your itty-bitties in no time flat. And understanding God's consistency of parenting Israel is the model by which we parent as well. And the better that we get to know him, the better that we become parents that become like him. Uh, Megan, can you put up the full slide for us again? If you don't yet understand how good this slide is, you will. This is insightful. It is driven completely from Scripture, only from Scripture. You can't find this anywhere else on the planet. We surely didn't Google it. We just read the Bible. We just read the Word, and we were intent about finding out what the Word has for us. We're going to take a break. It's 829. We are going to come back, and uh, we're going to give you a quick break to resettle the kids. And But during the break time, we want to show you that we've printed out some of these uh, cycles for you. Please come up to the front and get one of these. Go ahead and take a few minute break. And we are, it is our intention to get you out by nine o'clock tonight. So let's take a quick break. We are back from break. We're going to finish in the next uh, few minutes here together. I want to tell you before we jump into Judges chapter 3, which is going to be the next verse that my beautiful bride, this wonderful mother, is going to read to you. But I want to tell you that while we were teaching you about the Judges cycle, we want to tell you that we've already been cycling this with you. We told you what it was. We came back and explained it again to you. We explained it again to you for the third time. And then on the fourth time, we added the in-between stages. What we're trying to demonstrate for you is how this is actually going to need to occur in your life. But I've already said this. Yes, clearly you've already said it. But that doesn't make it a cycle. It's going to come around and around and around and around again because that is the nature of what's going on in the stage and it's something that you need to grasp hold of so you don't find uh, yourself without the necessary encouragement from the Lord and you need to understand that this is the process that builds them. This is how you win is you help go through the cycles and you help them to be able to eventually break the cycles of falling into rebellion. But you don't teach them how to do that until they walk through this until you are the right kind of chauffeur, the chauffeur team that helps them to, and leads them through this process. Listen to how Judges 3 says it. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not yet previous, had had previous battle experience. Hold there. Your kids have not yet had their own battles. That's right. How are they going to learn how to battle? They're going to work through the judges stages because you're going to be a good parent. You're going to be a good judge and they are going to get the battle. They're going to begin to get battle experience Mm -hmm. in the safety of your home. Amen. Amen. They're going to get battle ready 
without having to go die out on a battlefield somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. They are going to learn what is necessary to be godly in every way mm -hmm. and still have the safety and security that knows that they are still under your righteous judgment. Amen. They are under your leadership. This is a necessary stage because they have to know. Yeah. Like Yada had to be able to fight battles. The first battles that they're going to learn and how to win are with themselves. And then they'll be able to engage with the world around them. Yeah. Let's, let's read verses 3 and 4. The five rulers of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and Sidonians and the Hivites living in the, Leban in Le in the Lebanon mountains from Mount Baal, Hermon, and Labo Hamath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands. Wow which he had given their ancestors through Moses. Yeah, the testing process of the judges stage, is, judges stage is so very needed in your kids. You're getting to see, when you're doing this correctly, you get to see what's going on, and you're beginning some of your best pastoral work of your entire parenting life. Yeah. This is when that prophetic voice, you're like, I don't feel right about that. Can I tell you how many times I've ignored just a feeling and I wish that I wouldn't have ignored yeah. the feeling? Yeah. Yeah. It was a prophetic moment and I didn't count it as that. Yeah. What if I'm wrong? What if I do this? How about you just go by what you feel because the Lord is with you? Amen. Yeah. How about you go by what's going on on the inside and you don't need a thousand percent proof before you act? Yeah. You are teaching them how to battle. You are teaching them warfare when you do this. And it's some of the best. It is some of your best parenting thus far. Yeah. Who I'm sorry. Who else is going? The Lord has placed you as the priest of the home. He has placed you as the one that is over them and as their judge. He has placed you with that responsibility. So don't think that whatever inklings going on inside of you, whatever Holy Spirit moment that you are able to look into your child's eyes and see something, that you had the choice to ignore it. Right. You do not. This is your God-ordained moment to look at that moment and take advantage of that and speak the truth to them. Dig around, like she said, dig around in there and find out what might come to the surface because it is your job. It is your God-given right as the priest of that home and the one who governs that home. If you feel like you don't want your kid to go somewhere, yeah. go with that. Yes. Yeah. Well, but they're just going over to a godly person's house. Yeah, I don't care. Judge rightly. If you have an inkling of something that should or shouldn't happen, presume that you're right and lead them. Are y'all starting to feel us just a little bit in what we're saying? You're starting to experience this. You don't have to have a lengthy explanation of why you feel the way you do. Be the judge. You know what makes the judge right? The fact that they're in touch with the Lord and the Lord will lead you even in small things. I just don't feel right about that. The answer is no. Yeah, we've done that. That's good enough. That's good enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, normally I wouldn't say yes, but I, I feel this feels good. It. Let's go do this. Yeah. That kind of leadership, that kind of judging and parenting mm -hmm. is exactly what is going to bring you and your family up to new heights. Sometimes we, we parent out of fear in this stage because whatever our decision is, we're afraid of the consequence of our decision. So um, I don't want to tell them no because they're going to punish me with a bad attitude and I don't feel like dealing with it. 
So I'll just, it's not that big of a deal. Fine, go to Whataburger, whatever. You know, instead of you going by what the Lord is actually pricking your spirit about to give the right judgment, or you don't want to issue a consequence or let a consequence remain on them because it punishes you too. You cannot, um, you, you can't play with this toy anymore. You can't have this privilege anymore. Now, oh man, that burdens me. Now I can't go do what I want to do because I got to sit here and entertain you or whatever. But those kind of, those kind of fears, they get in the way of right discernment, right judgment. You know, in the word, it says that judges aren't to accept bribes. A bribe is anything that benefits you as a a result of your judgment. That's good. So if you are making judgments that are based on benefiting you, then you're not making right judgments. Man, that's good. good. You know, uh, picking up with that, what Cass just said, and then combining it with what Pastor Wade just said, when you're operating out of the prophetic, it is a confidence that is based on hearing from God. And that very statement that he said, no, I just don't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. The difference between that and just a faithlessness of right. something that could possibly happen, like, you know, an airplane land on them as they're going to Whataburger. <laughs> Hypothetically, right? The difference in that is that feeling is based on you being in touch and in line with what God is telling you. And it's giving direction as a judge to your parent of, I am doing what God asked me to do. And I'm telling you you to do what I tell you to do because that's in line with what God said. What the function of a judge is, is that they are designed to break cycles. They will be with the children through every cycle. But the end goal is to get to a point where they are breaking cycles. And here's the evidence of it. As you go through the book of Judges, God sends more than just one judge to deal with it. He sends a judge that is appropriate for every single cycle that Israel goes through. So we want to go through just a list in a rapid fashion and show you these names and how they function as a judge that led to the breaking of the cycles. It begins with Othniel. What an awesome name that is. That a judge is going to rise up and be a lion. Yeah, or Ehud. Is that how you say it? Ehud? Ehud? You got it. it. Where weakness is turned to strength. Or like Shamgar, that you're going to fight with what you have standing in a field of lentils and defending it with an ox go. Or Deborah, teaching you dependency on the spirit. Or like Gideon, a judge who's Howard's conversion has now led to being a conqueror instead. And Abimelech, where you defeat selfish ambition at all cost. Amen. See, what you're learning from the judges is exactly what you're supposed to be like as a parent. What exactly what you're supposed to be like as a parent is what you're training your children to be. So is this a list for you as parents? Yes. Is this a list for your children? Yes. Yes. Because as you are working through these, let's look at the remaining judges from the book of Judges. You get Tola. Not very many verses on Tola. I can just assure you this. This is in Judges 10. But what you should be thinking about is the Tola worm. That scarlet color. That, that what you learn from Tola is that repentance is everything. That crying out to the Lord and being quick to repent is something that you need to demonstrate and your child must demonstrate. 
that Jair, his name means he who enlightens. He brings wealth and influence. This particular judge had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. When you stay enlightened by the word and by the spirit, you have prosperity in your home that you cannot even measure by what's going on. Jephthah. We're going to put this in the most positive way for Jephthah. A judge, a a savior, a conqueror. You could be spirit-filled and not be stupid. Amen. That's hope. That's some good hope for us today. We can all be spirit-filled and not be stupid. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jephthah. Ibzan, Elon, not Musk, and Abdon. These are men that the Bible speaks about, and they have many, many sons. Uh, Ibzan had 30 sons and 30 daughters. Uh, Abdon had 40 sons and 30 grandsons, riding on 70 donkeys. These are men who we understand and we learn from these judges that we have to constantly keep a generational mindset. That what you see in your child today is not where this is going to end up. They're going to be sitting with their children on their laps much sooner than you can imagine. Gabriel's laying on Paul's lap right now. Gabriel having his own sons and daughters one day is not that far away. And you've got to keep that mindset that will keep you moving forward. One of my favorite lessons that you can learn is Samson. Samson, you learn that consequences are our greatest hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. Think through Samson's story there in Judges 13 through about Judges 16. What was his biggest problem? Is that he didn't always suffer immediate consequences. Yeah. Right. He was where he shouldn't be and a lion attacked him and he rips the lion apart. He's like, yes, the Lord is with me. What he should have learned was that he shouldn't have been there and the Lord was trying to warn him. Right. He took the wrong lesson from what happened. Consequences are your biggest hope. They are your children's biggest hope. And then you learn in the last few chapters that the right fight is always worth fighting in the book of Judges. This is when you start remembering that God sends the children of Israel out to fight against their own brother, against the tribe of Benjamin. They lose 22,000 the first day. They lose 18,000 the next day. They lose 30 more until God turns it over. The right fight is always worth it. You know where we got these lessons? We just walked through the book of Judges. We just did a flyover of the book of Judges. We covered 12 Judges and a few extra chapters in just a few minutes. You know why? Because the Word of God always gives us what we need. And it will always give what you need so that you can parent your child rightly in whatever stage that they may be in. It should be ringing in your ears right now. One of the last points that Pastor made from that slide, that consequences are our greatest hope. Without consequences, we are not able to see the true condition of what's going on and have the catalyst available to progress through the cycle that's there. In a cyclical fashion, we want to just bring back up the main points of this judge's stage. That it begins with the understanding that there's more freedom than restriction. That's what initiates that cycle going from restoration to rebellion. Giving them the opportunity to display what's going on in their own souls and in their hearts. Well, when their flesh is in full effect, this is the purpose of God's word being at the ready to warn their souls about their flesh being in full effect. Then leading to... 
a, a, a moment where this is characterized by not eliminating consequences that are a result of the choices that are made. If we eliminate the ability to make the choices, we are eliminating the ability for consequence to do its work. Well, this is more of an internal than an external means of bringing about change. It's about getting to the character and their heart condition more than it is about an immediate obedience externally. Well, this is going to prove to bear fruit and allow them to enjoy the fruit of this discipline in this stage. And guess what? As they become more fruitful and producing righteous behavior, that's also fruit and reward for you as a parent. Did you guys catch what Pastor just said? It's not only consequences for negative behavior. They're getting to eat the fruit of their labor. If they're babysitting and they get a little bit of something and you, and you want that, they can, re, they can enjoy that fruit of their labor. They can enjoy the fruit of getting their schoolwork done early. They, they can enjoy that as well because consequences technically aren't just negative. Right. We usually speak of consequences in a negative tone and call it fruit of their labor in the positive tone. But let's be honest. Consequences are consequences. Yeah. Good and bad. You're not shielding either one. You're not preventing either one. You're letting the full weight of that, whether it's a weight of encouragement or a weight of repentance that needs to come, because that's what this stage is all about. Let us give it to you in the most simple forms that we can here for parents. The judges stage, ages 11 through 14, you've got to remember your covenant with the Lord. You got to be watching for their covenant of the Lord to be developed, for them to learn how to go to war. And you got to understand that this, this stage is all about cycles. Yeah. When you get it right in one area, there's going to be another area that shows up. When you get it right in that area, it may go back to the first one and then to a different one. This is to be expected, but this is the time for you to shine as a parent. It's going to be your best days. It's going to be your best parenting. You're going to be more like God because you're, you're going to be dependent upon him and you're going to be crying out for your kids to learn the same lesson. Repentance is everything. Repentance is everything. If you develop a child between this age that can repent well, who's not trying to hide it from you. Amen who's not getting really, really skilled at doing their own thing away from your eye, you have done an amazing thing. You're raising an amazing man, an amazing woman of God. That repentance is everything is going to carry them for the rest of their Christian walk. It is. And you're training them about it now. you got to remember that importance of consequence. Can we say that any more than we have? <laughs> I mean, we, this is just a huge section here. And that the right fight is always worth it. It's right for you to fight for it. It's right for them to fight for it. Yeah, but I lost. But it was the right decision. It was the right to stand up for that other person. Yeah, but I got in trouble from someone else. It's still the right decision. Yeah, but I lost 22,000 men today. It's still the right decision. You asked the Lord and he told you to go do it and you fell flat on your face. It's still the right decision. Man, that's the maturity that's coming into our souls. That's the maturity that you can bring into your children's souls. Well, we want to conclude with the goals for the children in this stage. And before we really cover these, I just want to encourage you. You need to be able to wake up every day and say with confidence, God chose me to be the judge for my children. And because of that, he is with me and he will help me. He will help us achieve these very goals in our last life. The goals for the children are that they repent 
quickly because they see their true condition. They know the standard of God's word and what they must do to be brought to the point of restoration with God. Consequences are your allies apparent, and they're also the ally of the children as well, that they will learn to love the consequences that are there. And what a joy it is for the children and the parents when the goal is achieved in the child that they are spirit-filled and word-driven. Yeah. I mean, what an accomplishment that we've been aiming at since birth. They were getting to this point where the Spirit of God is illuminating His Word to them and they're living according to it. And then seeing inside of them, fighting for the right thing, knowing the right sense of mishpat, of justice that God is after. This is an incredible stage that leads you into the stage of the kings. We're going to cover that next week, but we want you to, I know that most of us in the room have Moses and Joshua, but I promise you that if you know that this is what you're aiming for, if you understand that those cycles are there, guess what you get to start doing? You get to start cheating a little bit early. You can start some of these things in, even in the Joshua stage later on so that you can start seeing it and God is going to help you. God is going to help you. That's what this church does. That's what our God does. He enables you, no matter what you, how you were parented, no matter what you think right now, God is able to help you to raise mighty men and women of God. You're not just raising children. No more than the owner of an orchard is raising apple seeds. You're not raising the seeds. What you are raising is you got to be thinking about raising the end product. And that helps you get towards the end product and not get stuck, not get in some rut of a previous stage that the kid is getting older, but never really progressing the way that they should. See, you are in the midst of God helping you to perfect your parenting. We will have no developmental delays in our parenting. I didn't say in the kids, I said in you. There's no developmental delays here that we're going to work through these things. And by the end of your parenting of your child, when they get to be fully adult, you're going to be so proud of what God has done in your life. Amen. Let's pray together as we end. Amen. Mighty God, we love you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in every way. Lord, we thank you that you are working in our midst. Lord, that you are perfecting our parenting, that you are helping us, Lord, in both great and small items, Lord, so that we can see what is in the heart of each, Lord, of our children, Lord, that we see the goal that we are working towards, Lord, and we praise you for what you're doing. Lord, we praise you for giving us the call to be the judge to be the judge for our children, Lord, to rightly feel, to rightly have the prophetic insight that we might lead our children. Lord, that our children, Lord, we will become mighty men and women of God. Lord, and I thank you that you are working in our midst so powerfully. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.